0: For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive.
3: That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Dr. Peter Hewson. He is COO at Backbone. We're going to talk to him about the work they're doing in the cannabis space. And I love these conversations with companies that are Really kind of focusing on the next stage of the industry. I think for so long in cannabis, we've been focusing on just kind of growing product, getting product to market. You know, as we've evolved, you know, all the things that start to come to bear in a growing industry start to become important and figuring out how to manage production and supply chains and compliance and, you know, all these kind of complicated things that start to become important to businesses, hinder businesses I think grow in scale, become forefront and there are opportunities. And companies like Backbone are taking advantage of them by creating solutions for the cannabis industry. And, and it's fascinating because these things exist in all sorts of industries, just not for cannabis yet. So I'm always curious to see how companies are approaching it, what they're learning, what they're applying, what's working, what's not working.
2: So with that, Peter, welcome to the program. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for inviting me as well as everyone out there. Thanks for listening in.
3: Yeah, well, thank you for being here. So before we kind of dig into what you're doing today with background and and all the um, kind of things that are going on in cannabis space right now, give us a little of the backstory. How, how did you, like professionally, what were you doing? How did you get involved in cannabis? How do you get involved in Backbone? Tell us the, uh, what, what's the journey you've been on? Give us the backstory.
2: Sure. I was in a previous life. I was a, uh, I grew up in the Bay Area and then I ended up going to school at uc santa barbara and uc san diego for mechanical aerospace engineering really focused and just kind of understanding uh, what i was good at and it seemed like i was starting to get better and better at modeling things in computers Mm -hmm. so we have a system and engineering and really mechanical engineering more than anything else we call finite element analysis which allows you to model real life in a computer you name it these days when you're making cars you don't Crash 20 cars. They're expensive, right? You crash yeah. 19 of them in the computer, make sure it works, and then maybe do one at the very end to make sure your model works. So that was the name of the game, working on Department of Defense stuff, you know, analysis on our nuclear arsenal, different types of kind of, I would say, more Department of Offense work more than everything else. And then I've kind of finished my PhD studying the effects of bombs on structures. And after kind of finalizing that, you know, 10 years of school, heavy duty. During that time, I was also had an itch to kind of host events. And so a buddy of mine and we had Andrew Forkeld is his name. We had been throwing events in San Francisco and Southern California all throughout that period, small events, but it was early on in the electronic days. I mean, you know, we had Grizz sleeping on our couch doing laundry, you know, early (laughs) on. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was really early in those days. And we always used to love an event called Reggae on the River. It's a very famous event um, Uh right uh, in southern Humboldt on the border of the Mendocino-Humboldt line up there. And so that festival went under in about 2009. And so um, after graduating, we kind of decided that we really wanted to take it to the next level. And I throw basically the biggest event possible. I get it out of our system, I guess, is the way you put it. Um, <laughs> so we we went up there and we started a festival called Northern Nights Music Festival, started in 2013, and really just kind of had to ingrain ourselves and, and really kind of dig deep to understand that community in order to operate up there. You're not going to go into these small communities and just yeah. say, I'm going to bring all of my San Francisco and Bay Area vendors and screw you, right? That's not going to work. High times actually learn that the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, long story short, there is, you know, got to know a lot of folks and a lot of them being local growers and needed permits, right? And so that was right when the legalization started. I started to help folks get permits at about 50 something state licenses across the supply chain for a wide range of different, application types and from there kind of just started to really, really dig deep and kind of almost an endless cycle, right? You think you're coming in just to consult on a permit and then you start to realize that you're helping with their business, your articles of organization, (laughs) your, you know, things that have never been seen before in this industry. So just kind of learned all the nuances on that side and that really leads you very quickly to well, how the how the heck am I going to track all of this stuff? And uh right. So I started to look at the available softwares out there, you know, hats off to everyone who, I think people give the legacy systems a really bad rap, right? They were out there early on doing the best that they could to meet the industry's demands. So, you know, as much as I unfortunately have to say that we are a more sophisticated system than that, I do not uh, give them, you know, I actually applaud them for sticking their neck out there and giving folks an option early on. So And the main thing there being that, look, right, if you're tracking retail, retail has been done for centuries, right? Very, I don't know if century is the right word for it, but it's been done for a long time. Decades anyway. <laughs> and uh, decades. And, um, and then, you know, counting plants, again, not rocket science. You can tag plants, you can count plants. Where it gets hard is after harvest, right? Cannabis is a very special plant where you know, it can be converted, transformed into thousands of different byproducts, right? And those byproducts can be turned into another thousand different. Then those terpenes can be fractionized into 5,000 different and then put back together. Then, and then all of your waste that we call waste right now in the THC side of things is actually going to be made down the road for textiles and fibers, right? So there's so many ways you can kind of skin that cap that we found that look, supply chain management, kind of visibility and was the name of the game. And that's what started us and got us into a building backbone.
3: Yeah, uh, And so, I mean, I guess, based on where the industry is now, what was the first need? Like, how how did you, where did you sort of first address the market? Like, Because you're the model or the the concept that you're listening here is, uh, I could see tracking lots of different things for lots of different purposes, but where did you see the first traction or where did you see the first kind of implementation of of what you envisioned?
2: Well, funny enough, I was actually an early backbone customer myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was right when they were kind of basically Vic, our founders, Vic and Rajesh had been, they've been trying to understand the problem, right? And so Rajesh comes from NetSuite. Our head of product, Erica, comes from Sage Intact. Vic comes from Intuit. So they're very well rehearsed in kind of problem solving, if you will. And the thing that you got to kind of when you're in technology that kind of have to flip through script. And I tell you, like all wives of all husbands are going to love this idea, (laughs) which is you have to listen and understand the problem, not just find the solution.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that is too good that is too good
2: and so it's true right and it really does help because what you're doing is well what we call them is you got to be a bartender right you just got to sit there and you got to listen right you got to let them tell you and it's kind of there's a therapy aspect of it and the therapy happened to me first when i had vic and rajess saying peter what are all the issues you see in this problem i was sitting I was sitting with wonderland nursery i don't know if you're familiar with kevin jodry and wonderland yeah yeah. but that was one of the first conversations we were sitting at wonderland talking with kevin right and kevin we all had the same and kevin's like man like strain velocity he said right i remember and saying well Mm -hmm. let's talk about that it's like yeah what happens when the weed leaves the farm right there's very little information other than hey what's your price point right and after Mm -hmm. that you don't know if you know it went it down and all of a sudden some solventless manufacturer found out that when they do it in their method and your appellation that you grew it at it is the most perfect match in heaven and please you're going to get top dollar if you do that again no one ever gave you you never got that information back yeah yeah so that was where that's a lot of this where it started and then look you're in the emerald triangle you know i have to always give thanks there's a few folks that really took us under their wing and introduced us and really kind of built a lot of trust in the community. And so a lot of what happens there, it's word of mouth, man, it's trust. And even, you know, the problem that we were trying to solve with this system was really related to trust. Back in those times, you know, and people still in these times, for sure, everyone, you know, the concept of a split, right, is, right, is I'm going to go ahead pay me. So please, uh, uh, I'm going to give you 50% of what I extract back to you. I'm going to keep the other and we go about our ways. Well, there's a big trust factor that's stuck in there right because there's no reporting coming back so that was really what kind of triggered a lot of this and then it was just word of mouth man we were well-connected. We were operating with folks. And, you know, even to date, right, we're just starting to get our name out there. This, talking with you today, is part of our marketing efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, but this has been, it's a tight industry. Your reputation is everything in this industry. And this has really primarily just been using our internal network and being word of mouth and getting the system in the hands of really strong operators. I can't tell you, you know, people like Humboldt's finest and in X up in Humboldt, right? They've been entrusted us very, very early on to say, Peter, we know you're a new system. We don't really want to deal with outsiders, if you will. We'll give Mm -hmm. you guys a shot. And that's really, and I, I imagine a lot of software companies, right? It's your network that gives you the opportunity to help build around you.
3: Yeah. So do you think that, you know, solutions like yours are what is needed as this industry grows and and the kind of natural trust that can be built in a kind of a smaller industry where everyone's reasonably known and your reputation, you know, is, you know, important. Like, you know, it's just that, that not that many people, your reputation will get around, you know, as this industry just gets bigger and, you know, this stuff, is hard to happen it's difficult to make that happen organically you need systems like this to actually verify validate document record I mean is that how you see this kind of coming to bear here
2: For sure I would say that I would, like in all honesty right if you've got a small farm in Mendocino right maybe a 10,000 square foot grow you you know metric really well and you are very clear on your finances with QuickBooks, right? You may not need a system, right? You're yeah. actually maybe comfortable with it. But yeah. what happens is when you start saying, well, now I've got this other facility over here, yeah. right? And now I've got this other partner over here where we're in a JV with, yep. right? And that's when you start to realize that, look, I can manage a spreadsheet when it was mine, I got it, no problem. But really, when you start to scale and you start finding yourself, spending more time keeping your systems upgraded or up to date or recording that information. That's where backbone really comes in. So although we started on the kind of, I'd say, smaller end of things and where everyone does, we naturally, especially with some of the folks I just mentioned, these are all multi-license holders, right? They need systems that can scale alongside of them. And we really come in when folks have, I would say, felt the pain is the best time where we want to come in. If you come in too early and no one's felt the pain, then You end up kind of imagining problems that you don't have yet. (laughs)
3: That's funny. You know, I spent a lot of time in tech, and we used to say that if I could just have email. Analysis tool that told me every time someone emailed a spreadsheet that was more than fifty megabytes and took more than a minute to update, (laughs) like that was good. That was business development for me. Then I I knew we need to build an application for them because yeah, it just becomes unmanageable. It becomes unmanageable and becomes risky, right? Like you're just trying to do this stuff in you know with spreadsheets and you know Google Docs and stuff like that. You just run the risk that something didn't get configured right, or you didn't, you know, you missed a link, or you know, the reference was wrong, and now all of a sudden you think you've got the data, and then you realize, you know, six weeks later that oh, that was wrong, and you're off by thirty percent.
2: Um, Knowing that, right, is the key, right? Sometimes people say, yeah. "Well, how did you let me get there?" It's like the only way we let you get there is like you had, you had the data to even identify it in the yeah. first place.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about your sort of the development process there. I mean, how how have you kind of evolved? Where did you start and how have you evolved the system? I and mean, tell me a little bit about how you've you've solved the problem technically on the uh, technical side.
2: I think the big thing that we've done is kind of taken a page out of NetSuite's book, which is uh, we m- our system kind of conforms and models what's actually happening or what the in, you know the actual boots-on-the-ground processes are. So I think where we really started was we're trying to develop a system that's not a here's our system, change the way you're doing things to accommodate the system. Uh-huh. It's the other way around. We say, no, we're going to build around your existing processes. And so by doing so, it really allows you the flexibility needed in order to iterate. And so that's been the name of the game for us. So starting out, for, you know, inventory being the name of the game, but at the same time, really focusing on processes. And when I say processes, process, it's a conversion process, it's a transformation process, right, of when product comes in. It, as simple as I had biomass in a large contractor bag, yeah. and I then went through a process or a machine or a transformation, where that biomass is now sorted biomass. It's in five contractor bags divided uh-huh. up, right? That's like a very simple example, much more in depth process. And maybe in that process, you want to say, well, I want to know how long it takes my team to bag, rebag that big contractor bag into five small ones. Yep. Very simple example. Well, now let's say. It's a manual process, maybe a few hands involved. Probably not that interesting, but sure, let's go ahead and record it. Well, now let's look at an extraction process, right? When you're talking about extraction, think about all of your inputs there. It's not just the biomass. Maybe you've got your solvent, but then you've got a chiller that's got some temperatures. You've got the purity of your solvent. You've got the potency of your biomass. You've got, you know, a a potentially other pieces of the puzzle, right? You want to know what your pressure is, what your, you know, how much, how your butane was stored, like a really wide variety of parameters that all have an effect on what your output is. So what happens when you're modeling that level of depth, right? Then there's additional parameters. Let's say you want to keep track. When was the last time I cleaned this piece of equipment? When was the last time that I calibrated this piece of equipment so that level of depth is really what kind of separated us in the sense that we're actually like deeply modeling your processes or your equipment which opens up a whole new kind of realm of possibilities in terms of tracking KPIs and that's been the name of the game is deeply modeling those processes right and automating them as much as possible so that was kind of from the, from the get-go. And then what's happened is if you are modeling those really sophisticated processes, then all of the things like, you know, putting together a packaging assembly, right? Or I'm not going to say that simmering gummies is easy by any means, but you can <laughs> simmer a gummy, right? So that's been the approach is we worked what we thought was the hardest problem first, mm-hmm. solved for that. And then go ahead and expand into simpler things. For example, tracking a plant.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm curious on the kind of the regulatory model or, or kind of the uh, the, the context mm-hmm. that you're operating within. I mean, you're based in California, but you know, as you look at these, you know, different markets and these different states, I mean, they all have these needs, but they're all kind of potentially have different kind of you know twist to how they do things and how they record things what they record what the kind of parameters are as you've looked at the market and figured out how you're going to grow and scale how have you kind of tackled this are, are you how are you approaching the fact that we have these you know 13 14 different you know cannabis markets and then hap is all over the place What give me a sense of how you're tackling that
2: well I mean I guess to, to kind of further your example right you've got California, let's say, right? You don't have to tag a plant until you start to flower, uh-huh. right? And a lot of other jurisdictions, it's when you, when it becomes a veg plant, where it leaves propagation, you uh-huh. have to tag it. There's other ones where you have to generate those UIDs at the clone stage, which everyone still has got a, kind of scratching their head about how yeah, they're going exactly. to put those tags on those tiny little clones. <laughs> little tiny but tags. But <laughs> little tiny tags, but those are just, right? You just have to be able to adapt to those different, right? And, and in all honesty... Being in California with metric, who also write uh-huh. C D P H also sees things from has for example, edibles, there's GMP good manufacturing parameter requirement. That's yep. like that's we have we're lucky enough to be have been designing a, around a pretty complex supply chain here in California yep. with some pretty deep and intensive regulations and transparency requirements. So what we found is going into other jurisdictions is that we actually have to again, this is no other jurisdictions take offense to this, but we've got to <laughs> dumb down our system. <laughs> Oklahoma is really mad at you right now. <laughs> no, I worry. I like Oklahoma. We support Oklahoma, and let all those Oklahoma listeners out there know we got your back.
3: <laughs> how has it actually? I mean, practically, how has it been in, in terms of going to market? Like, where where have you seen uptake? Like, who, who has actually you know been interested in in implementing these systems? Who has not? Why? What's your kind of take on things?
2: Well, it's been. Put it this way, it's really what we've identified, it's folks who have who are part of the bigger either MSO or brand supply chains. Those are the folks that we found. Because what happens is when you're really kind of co-packing, for example, or contract manufacturing at scale, if you are needing to kind of give live as live as possible information back to your brand overlord for lack of a better Mm -hmm. term and you're doing that for five six seven different brands if you're not providing standardized reporting model then they're going to force each of them is going to force a different google sheet smart sheet data entry field what have you so then you're going to be stuck literally using seven additional systems just to get the reports up to your brand overlords so those are kind of what we found of our, our kind of key customers is to say hey we can go ahead and automate that reporting, so you guys can continue to do you. Especially in the ver- like the more vertical states where there's limited licenses, and a lot of the MSOs, especially on the East Coast, are putting a lot of effort into. Right? They need visibility throughout those different license types and those different facilities. So that's kind of that. That's the classic sense of a vertical integration. Whereas I own all of my licenses, therefore I can impose what systems everybody is using. Right. So that's like one. But now that we're seeing this new generation of what we call the virtualized supply chain and this new generation of brands, it's they're getting smarter. They don't want to be dependent and have to put up all this capital for infrastructure. Right. There's a lot of people who have spent a lot of money trying to get facilities online, especially manufacturing. Right. I don't know if you heard the horror stories of people who've got billion dollar facilities, but they can't get occupancy. Right. So. In those circumstances, right, then oftentimes the bigger brands or operators, they just got licensing agreements or toll agreements with folks. And so they're just spreading there, but they, they need visibility still, but they don't own those businesses and those businesses are doing their own thing. So how can we go ahead and come in and give your, you know, folks visibility into what's happening with their product when it's not in their hands, right? But at the same time, in such a fashion that they're not required to kind of impose that they change their entire set of systems to do so.
3: Yeah yeah it does seem like it's kind of where we are with cannabis, you know as a market matures, you know in the beginning everything's pretty vertically integrated because everyone needs to control everything and It's the only way I know like what am I going to put on the shelf is because I need to grow it and I need to process it. but now you know things matured you 've got experts, capabilities that you can outsource, you can source these things, but the the downside is I need the data right so yes i can I can find a supplier, I can find a processor, but you know i don't i don 't know exactly what 's going on there. I need to get that information, so it sounds like a, a system like yours is going to play a fairly pivotal role as the industry matures and and things continue to be specialized.
2: Absolutely, especially in kind of this arena in the US where everything is has to be on a state-by-state basis so you can't be unified anyway.
3: Yeah.
2: Or in the international market, we are getting a lot of traction. Again, not something we reached out to, but it kind of came from our ability to really support the hemp industry. People, it's almost like people, I don't want to say people forgot, but this whole like integrated with the track and trade system was such a big deal. That people kind of forgot that what happens if like the regulations, like Health Canada, for example, you have to report yeah. every 30 days. Well, there's a bunch of other things you should be worried about outside of <laughs> just reporting to your regulatory yeah. system about what, how things are going. And I think because we've taken that approach of a kind of more of an enterprise approach to all of this, we're really focused on that costing, actual costing, um, being understand your labor, right, and just the typical KPIs that you'll see in other industries. Um, And that's where the hemp industry said, hey, oh, wow, there's something cannabis built that's actually paying attention to the KPIs that me as a business is trying to run, not just trying to show off my glorified skin over my track and trace system. Yeah. I'm curious as you've,
3: your experience in other industries and as you've gotten into cannabis, what have been kind of surprises or what are things about the cannabis industry that you've had to kind of do things differently? Like the process that you would have used in another industry just doesn't work or isn't as applicable or the way the industry works, you know, you just can't do business that way. Anything that's come up unique to cannabis that you've kind of learned?
2: I mean there's right, there's the obvious two eighty E and all of the uh-huh. ways you need to slice and dice to kind of uh, limit your tax liabilities, right? That's one piece yeah. of the puzzle. You know, number two, obviously the stricter regulations, right? There's nothing like it. Number three, the plant, like I was saying earlier, is just very unique in all the different forms it can take, but to be really honest, it's really the culture of this industry that I would say is kind of the thing to work to understand and to work and work towards is there is a deep, deep history in this industry. And the only reason I'm here and a lot of folks are here is because of a lot of people who put their neck out there early on. And Trying to kind of acknowledge that and then get and empower some of these operators who really know what they're doing, but they have never been classically trained in systems. So put it this way. It's kind of like you're looking into the past in cannabis right now where you know where it's going, right? There's other industries of agriculture that we all know the direction it's headed. So you have this unique opportunity to say, I know what it's going to look like. How do we go ahead and get it there, but get it there in a different way? Like, how do we make this not the corporate, yeah. I don't know, way, you know, you can almost like reframe this and say, hey, you can have culture in agriculture.
3: <laughs> I like that. Uh, and do you think there's, or I guess, who have you seen that's doing this particularly well? I mean, obviously you've been working lots of companies um, you know that are in the cannabis industry that are kind of helping grow and scale it. Would, anything that you've seen that's particularly interesting, either sort of generically or uh, specific companies?
2: Man, I don't want to play favorites. I like all of our customers. <laughs> But I would say what are some unique things, right? I mean, obviously cookies has got a really unique model and how they're approaching things very much on this virtualized sense. I really like working like with really strong operators who just know what they're doing really well. Like folks like Eden Enterprises and Sharif over there, who, you know, the founders of trees, and they just really understand what they're doing. They know what they need and they know like that's kind of more of my favorites is folks who look, I love, we love being the teachers and we love being the Sherpa and we love kind yeah. of helping folks get to where they want to be. But the best parts is when you get in and people who are really masters of their craft and empowering a master or an artist right and to kind of give him the ability to paint or her to paint right now Uh those are my favorite because you come across folks who are so good at what they do and they've never really been highlighted because the data of what they're doing or their i don't know their thesis right of why their method of doing something is really better than others has been really cool to see and i think you're going to continue to see kind of the novel approach to creating different products across the board and i think that's probably our um What we're here to do most is how can we highlight, right? I think that's the name of the game for us. Even as we go out there and really turn on our own marketing engine here as backbone, it's so much more interesting to highlight the operators and hop out other customers into what they're doing. We're just a software part. We're just, you know, like I said, a sherpa for lack of a better term.
3: Yeah, no, I like that enabling masters to do their job just that much better and that much faster. Yeah. And looking at the industry and then, you know, we've got, you know, change of administration, we've got, you know, all this um, couple of new states coming online. I mean, what, what are you kind of watching or what are you looking at on a more kind of national level that you think would really kind of change the game in general, change the game for you? Like what's important to look out for? Just
2: preparing for what's coming. We've got a whole new set of stakeholders, right? And when I say stakeholders, I'm talking FDA, DEA, ATF, all the three letter words that nobody in this industry ever wanted to uh, say <laughs> yeah, or okay. talk about, <laughs> yeah. right? I would say that if you want, you know, you've got people saying, all right, Biden, yeah, like we're going to legalize mm-hmm. it, better legalize it, and like make sure everyone understands that, you know, by doing so, you're inviting those three-letter three-letter oh, yeah. acronym agencies to come to the table. So, kind of just like think about what you're asking for, <laughs> right? Number one, and yeah. then number two. With that happening, do you have the right set of tools so that when those folks are coming in, you're saying, "I got my together." Sorry, I've got my stuff together. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> that's right. And um, I'm, you know, and I'm prepared for it. So that, I would say that's a big one. Is remember what you're asking for. Yeah,
3: yeah, and be prepared for it. Peter, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Backbone, what's the best way to get that information?
2: You can find us at BackboneIQ.com on the web, on LinkedIn, Backbone Software, as well as Instagram and Twitter, Backbone Software.
3: Great. I'll make sure that the links and handles and everything are in the show notes here. Peter, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I greatly appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening. Keep working out there. We got your back. There's a light at the end of this tunnel, and we'll get you there.
3: That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time.
1: You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at ThinkingOutsideTheBud.com forward slash newsletter.
3: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.